Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Welcome everybody uh, to this day of uh, worship and prayer and the ministry of the Word. And uh, right across our campuses and beyond, we trust that God will minister to you and uh, bless you again. It's great to be able to give thanks to God and to pray and to respond to the Lord in practical ways. I was just thinking this week, imagine over this last year if we'd have never done an online service and just left everybody to their own devices. Imagine that you'd never taken the time to engage with others, albeit often at a distance. And uh, we would have been in a far worse place uh, than what we are in terms of building our spiritual life and keeping our faith on track with God. Normality still seems some way ahead, but we're one Sunday nearer and we still look forward to those days of being able to gather together physically as well as enjoying an online presence. So we're praying, we're believing that God will speak Deep to our hearts today, whatever your age, you may be young in the faith, you may be young in years, the word of God can come right to you today and that's what we are believing for. As Christian has mentioned in his prayer lead, we uh, as a leadership team try to just sense what God wants to say in a season and for the four Sundays of February we're going to Minister under the banner headline of the name of the Lord is. And we'll roll out a few names from that title. The name of the Lord is. Let me read Isaiah 42 verse 8 as a launching pad verse. And it says this, I am the Lord. That is my name. I will not yield my glory to another or my praise to idols. I am the Lord. That is my name. And as we look at some of the names of God, we will see how they find a great fulfillment in the Lord Jesus Christ and his name. And also have a wonderful relevancy to our everyday journey, right into our life and our situation now. We've all got a name. You may like it or you may not. You may forever bemoan the fact that your parents came up with a particular name for you. Usually there's some reasoning Behind it, I was just looking at the most popular names in 2020. And for girls, it's top six, Emma, Olivia, Ava, Isabella, Sophia, and Charlotte. I'm glad Charlotte's in there because that's the name of one of our granddaughters. And then for boys, Olivia, George, Noah, Arthur, Harry, and Leo. One or two Bible names there and one or two what we would call old-fashioned names coming back into vogue. And of course, surnames reflect at times um, people's journey and and roll out of different uh, industries and occupations. Surname of Fletcher 
and uh, going back to people that would put the flights on the arrow, the draper, the butcher, the purveyor of fine meats, the dyer, the weaver working on the loom, the thatcher. I know some of you have gone somewhere, but a mender of roofs. And you may have more than one name, and it may be that that middle name is secret because that's the one you really don't like. But names give us an identity. When I think of people that I know, uh, both close up in my world, but also friends and colleagues, their name gets mentioned. I don't just think of the name, I think of their character, I think of their temperament, I think of their skills, I think of their talents, I think of... Uh, experiences that we've enjoyed together. And so a name carries so much weight. Almighty God has got around about 20 names that are mentioned in the Scriptures. The most common being Lord or Jehovah, or as the Hebrew word says, Yahweh. And sometimes, maybe because of some cultic teaching, we've pushed back on the name Jehovah, but it's a tremendous reflection and revelation of who God is. In Jewish tradition, with regard to the spelling of Yahweh, they would take out the vowels and it would be Y-H-W-H. It reflected their sense of holiness regarding the name of God. And they so didn't want to transgress the commandment of Exodus 20 of not taking the name of the Lord in vain, that they wouldn't use the name verbally. Jesus speaking about the kingdom of heaven in Matthew. It's not a different kingdom to the kingdom of God, but it would reflect the Jewish community that he was seeking to communicate with and reflect in their understanding of how they would treat the name of God. The name of the Lord is summed up in Exodus 3.14 as God brings a revelation to Moses. I am that I am. God is eternal. God is unchanging and God is unchanged. And The names of the Lord always reflect a redemptive purpose that is linked to meeting the needs of man. Here are a few of the names that we're not going to have time to look at over this month. But Jehovah Nissi, the Lord is our banner. A name that we can gather under. Jehovah Shaphat, the Lord is our banner. Judge, Jehovah Gibor, the Lord is mighty. Jehovah Kanah, the Lord is jealous. And that word used in a positive sense where God is passionate that people would know him and belong to him. As mentioned, the revelation of the names of God in the Old Testament, and we've used the Old Testament Hebraic words to illustrate already find their full revelation and fulfillment in the name above all names, the Lord Jesus Christ, Jehovah, Saviour, Messiah. 
anointed one. And one of my little phrases that I use quite often that I sort of sense God has just encouraged me with in recent years is that we don't make too much of Jesus. We often make too little of him. Everything hinges on the anointed one. He holds all things together. He is the utter fulfillment in the New Testament covenant covenant of the uh, unveiling of the names of God in the Old Testament. In Colossians chapter 1 and verse 19, it says, God is pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him, Jesus. And in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 9, he says, therefore, on the basis of the fact that God had in Jesus had humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross with a servant spirit. Therefore, God has exalted him, Jesus, to the highest place and given him a name that's above every name. One day, one day in the purposes of God and time, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and every knee will bow. As we think about that, and as I just spend a few more moments seeking to lay a foundation of the power of the name of God revealed in Christ, you can understand why there's a battle in the heavens that reflects itself in the earth over name. Again, Exodus 20 says that we shouldn't misuse or take the name of the Lord in vain. And that commandment is violated millions of times a day across our planet. Imagine for a moment that you're in a temper, you're angry, you're frustrated. And if you say, oh, Boris Johnson, or oh, Winston Churchill, or oh, Her Majesty the Queen, with respect to these names, they carry little weight, impact. But oh, Jesus Christ, there's something different about using that name inappropriately. And of course, it may be that you live or work in an environment where that name is used more inappropriately than you would like. And God will give you grace to prevail. We also have cho choices. I remember an old pastor friend of mine, and any time that the name of the Lord was used inappropriately through the TB, he would immediately switch it off. I suggest that if we did that by watching TV, film, or streaming services in this time in which we live, we probably wouldn't end up watching much at all. But of course, there are extremes of all of that. And I was reading, uh, as I was preparing for the message regarding the film, which has been around now for a few years, The Wolf of Wall Street, and 
Just as you're asking, no, I haven't watched it. Leonardo DiCaprio being one of its star cast. But it holds the record for the most expletives in a film. 715. And on many occasions, the name of the Lord taken in vain. Should you watch it or have watched it? Well, really, that's down to you because I'm not sitting in your living room and the pastoral team of the church have no intention of policing everybody's watching habits. There is somebody there. It's the Holy Spirit. And uh, he's well able to speak to us. And I've been speaking to people in our church at times about conscious and thresholds. And you've got to work that through yourself. I might suggest that if this was your late night viewing, it's hardly likely to send you to bed in the blessing of God. But again, it's for us to work it through. I note also that it was only in 2008 that the blasphemy law in, the United, in England and Wales was revoked. I suggest again it reflects our move not to God, but from God in society. Language is important. Jesus says that out of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's also impactful. And one of the signs of becoming a Christian and growing in faith is that our language shifts. And I encourage you in a society where the name of God revealed in Jesus Christ is often used flippantly, and if I can use the word blasphemously, that we do not allow that spirit to engage with our hearts, but we live free and we live beyond it. Here's a quote from someone that works for the Billy Graham organisation. And he says this, The name of God has everything to do with all that God is. When his name is pulled down into the mass of human society, everything pertaining to his unique sovereign ability is devalued. In a strange reversed sort of way every time I hear the name of Jesus Christ used as a curse word I think God is affirming the very truth of his word the apostle Paul who knew a tremendous turnaround experience said to his son in the faith Timothy I was once a blasphemer and maybe you too were, maybe you were too, but life changes. And when life changes, so does language. Remember the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. May it be so. Having laid that basis, I want to in the second part of the message, take us to a particular name of the Lord. It's so well known, even beyond what we would call committed Christian 
circles. Psalm 23 verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. In the original language, Jehovah Raha, the Lord is my shepherd. And the word that we want to think of today that flows from this name of God is security. The Lord is our shepherd bringing security to our lives. As I say, many, many people would know of this psalm, even if they don't claim to be Christians. Many people would know of the hymn to the tune, Crimmant, and on numbers of occasions would have sang it. And of course, the Holy Spirit took hold of the shepherding skills of David when he was out in the fields, when God was preparing him and shaping him and honing him to one day become the king of God's people and inspired him to write this psalm. If I can say it respectfully, Psalm 23 is not just for funerals, it's for life. And I want to try and illustrate that today. We continue to live in a great time of insecurity, uncertainty, and instability. And as we look around, we often see people, as Jesus described them, like sheep without a shepherd. I see that deep in my spirit, even in more normal times. If I go down into Nottingham or Derby, I, I, I take a moment to observe people. And I often see them as sheep without a shepherd. We said earlier that all the names of the Lord Jehovah are reflected in Jesus Christ. No more so than the shepherd. Because in the New Testament, Jesus is described as the good shepherd in John 10. As the great shepherd in Hebrews 13. And as the chief shepherd in 1 Peter Chapter 5. He was the pastor of pastors. That's what the word means, poimen, in the New Testament. He was the shepherd of shepherds. Can I just say a word to aspiring leaders in our church and from our church in these days? We're glad that the language of the apostolic and the prophetic is used in these days. We believe in apostolic and prophetic ministry. And I was just listening to some ministry in the last few days of an apostolic prophetic leader who was a vanguard of a resurgence of us looking afresh at this ministry in the 60s, 70s and 80s. But here's the truth. God wants to call apostles and prophets and evangelists and teachers. But there is no promotion out of shepherding. And I believe, and I believe the scriptures teach it, and we don't have time to look at it today, that the shepherding thread runs through every one of the ministry gifts. Whatever God is calling you to, 
whatever the expression of your ministry in the days ahead, whatever the reach that God graces you with, it will never go beyond you carrying the shepherding heart of Jesus Christ. Because not only was he the great shepherd, but in his wisdom, he has given shepherds to the church. I regret that there has been a trend in modern church to denigrate, to pull down, to joke about the shepherd gift in the church. It is absolutely vital and essential. And it reflects the very life of the name of the Lord and the heart of Christ. Now, Psalm 23, you can read it in a few minutes. I don't want to treat it disrespectfully this morning. Some of you would know it almost off by heart. But for time's sake, I just want to bullet point seven things that run through Psalm 23. Jehovah Raha. And may we know a fresh sense of security as God breathes afresh on probably the most well-known piece of the Bible in all of Scripture. The Lord is my shepherd. Firstly, provision. He takes us to green pastures, to graze to feed, to be strengthened, and to be sustained. And then restoration. He restores my soul. And I believe that God is doing a deep restoring work in this season, both within believers, but also in calling people back to him. All, all over the place, friends, for all sorts of reasons, there are people that are prodigal in hearts, that are sheep, that are strayed. And I believe that the Spirit of God, in response to the prayers of the church, is speaking deeply to people in this season, getting them to reassess their priorities, asking again, what is life all about? And out... As we emerge from the restrictions of the pandemic, believing for a great restoration of prodigals, wandering hearts back to the fold of the shepherd. There was an old song that says, there's a way back to God from the ways of sin. There's a door that is open and you may come in at Calvary's cross is where you begin. When you come as a sinner to Jesus, there's always a way back. And we pray that people will find it. Number three, direction. He guides our paths in righteousness. In your personal journey, God will never lead you in a way that contradicts the general revealing of his words. Never. It will never go beyond what the word of God says. But he has got a directive plan for you. And if you will trust him, it will be the right way. The way of righteousness. 
And then fourthly, consolation. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you will be with me and I will fear no evil. As I said earlier, this verse is often quoted at funeral services. It's quoted to comfort people that have been bereaved and mourned. And sadly, even in this last year, there have been good people in Arena Church that have gone to be with their Lord and people grieve and mourn their loss. And of course, we can take these verses to heart and let them minister to us in that time. But there's a wider application. And as the shepherd boy was touched by the Lord to write these verses, he would be thinking of the dangerous valley ravines where he would have had to take the sheep on occasions with steep sides, the possibility of robbery, times when he would even in daytime take the sheep through places that would, because of the shadow, become dark, a little scary, even intimidating. There, the Lord was with him. I don't want to overstate it, but COVID-19 has seen the world, the global community of 7.8 billion people across the earth seek to navigate the valley of the shadow of death. And even recently in our own nation, we had that sombre moment as the figure went into six figures of people that have been impacted in a very terrible way. And yet God has promised to be with us. And I want you to draw on the consolation of his presence today. God is with us. Fifthly, preparation. You prepare a table for me, a place of provision, of bounty, of goodness and of grace. Six, possession. You anoint my head with oil. And David would be reminded of the times that he would carry the horn of oil and pour it into the wounds and cuts of the lambs and the sheep to bring healing. He would be reminded how that the oil was poured upon his head as an expression that he was to be the king in waiting over his nation. And in Pentecostal spirit-filled context, we use that word anointing unashamedly. Sadly, at times it seems as though it's... Uh, in some instances, giving people room to behave in inappropriate ways, shouting, screaming, using an effective, effective voice. It's none of that. Someone described the anointing as the power and influence of the Holy Spirit flowing through us to flow out of us to impact lives and situations. Sharon and me have a little phrase and sometimes we say there was no oil on it. Live with oil. Live with the anointing. It makes all the difference. And seventhly, conversation, confirmation. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life 
and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Some time ago now, I remember Christian referencing this verse and reminding us that it literally means that goodness and mercy will pursue us. I think Eugene Peterson in the Message Bible picks it up well because he says this, your beauty, goodness, and your love, mercy, chase after me every day of my life. Aren't you glad that goodness and mercy is chasing after you? And as I draw the message to a conclusion I want just to go to another well-known verse in the Bible and I really sort of sense this on my heart and I want it to come as a real confirmation again of God's secure love over you as the shepherd of your life. And in Jeremiah 29, which I will quote in a minute, we've got a verse about God's plans for our lives. But I really want to take a moment to contextualise it because the context of Jeremiah 29 is that the prophet was speaking into an atmosphere of false prophecy. And if you read it in the previous chapter where God's judgment had come upon the people and he said they would be in exile for 70 years, a prophet had come along and said, don't worry, it's only going to be two and then you'll be able to go back. And Jeremiah addressed the false prophecy and says, I'm sorry friends, it's not going to be two years. It's going to be 70. Now, forget the numbers for a moment, but I think there's a metaphor here. Maybe somebody has said to you, don't worry, it's going to be all right. Don't worry. And you realise as parents, you realise as students, you realise that in your workplace situation, it's okay people saying that. But there's study to claw back. There's finances to readdress. And the valley sides of your life at this moment seem very steep. There are relationships to restore. There are dreams to reset. There is ambition to be reestablished. It may be at times that you're at school, you're at college, you're at work, you felt robbed. You felt dispirited. You felt disappointed. You even felt angry. And God comes and says, I'm sorry, this is going to take some time to work through. It's not going to be a quick fix. You're going to have to work hard in the future. You're going to have to look at things carefully. You're going to have to have a holy determination to emerge out of this challenge that we face for very nearly a year. And whatever anybody else says, this is not going to be easy. Into that, we get the verse that we like to quote. And the shepherd speaks, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. He's pursuing you with goodness and mercy. Plans to prosper you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And I declare over Arena Church today and everybody that's listening, however robbed you feel, however disappointed you are at the moment, however dispirited you are about your studies, God is chasing after you. And God brings his word to confirm to you today that he's got plans for you. Plans not to harm, but plans to give you a hope 
and a future. Why? Because he's Jehovah Raha. He's the shepherd of your life. I am the Lord's. This is my name. And the Lord is our shepherd. May that secure, enveloping, shepherding love of Jesus wrap itself around every person today in Jesus' name. In closing, I read just this week that 2.4 million people across our nation have to take a pill every night to enable them to go to sleep. It reflects the anxiety and worry that's impacted millions. I don't want to sound trite, but I'm reminded of the church notice board poster where it says, if you can't go to sleep, don't count the sheep, talk to the shepherd. Let's pray. It may be that today... You're online, you're not even sure why you've come on, but the Holy Spirit has spoken to your life. You've never come to the sheepfold. You've never found a way to God. You've never realized that he was even pursuing you, but he's after you, he loves you, he cares for you. And I'm going to pray that Jesus Christ will become the shepherd of your life today, that you'll turn from your ways what we call our sins, and you'd ask for forgiveness and let the Lord Jesus come into your life. And it may be that you need to be restored today, and right now he pours in the oil to your wounds, to your pain, to your hurt, and makes you whole. And for those of us that are believers, wrestling with this insecure season, Jehovah Raha, the Lord is our shepherd, be secure. So Father, we thank you for the worship, the prayer, the giving and the ministry that has flowed through this online connection in Arena Church this day, right now. In the power of your work, become shepherd afresh to every one of us. People receiving you for the first time people being restored and people being freshly enveloped with the wonderful shepherding love of Jesus. And we ask it for your glory and praise. Thank you for listening.